I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts chapter 24. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. I was not uh, completely sure how exactly this service would go, how long the, the songs would be. And so I planned for a brief uh, message. So don't be angry if you get out early. Yeah, yeah. Personnel committee meeting will be following the service, right? Now. <laughs> yeah, Pastor Appreciation Sunday coming. That has nothing to do with this short message at all, right? We're sitting back here together already, so be If you would, uh, stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of the Word of God, if you're physically able. Acts chapter 24, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. Five days later, Ananias the high priest arrived with some of the Jewish elders and the lawyer Tertullus to present their case against Paul the governor. And when Paul was called in, Tertullus presented the charges against Paul in the following address to the governor. You have provided a long period of peace for us Jews, and with foresight have enacted reforms for us. For all of this, Your Excellency, we are very grateful to you. But I don't want to bore you, so please give me your attention for only a moment. We have found this man to be a troublemaker who is constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the cult known as the Nazarenes. Furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. You can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. Then the other Jews chimed in, declaring that everything Tertullus said was true. The governor that motioned for Paul to speak. Paul said, I know, sir, that you have been a judge of Jewish affairs for many years, so I gladly present my defense before you. You can quickly discover that I arrived in Jerusalem no more than 12 days ago to worship at the temple. My accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple, nor storing up a, stirring up a riot in any synagogue or on the streets of the city. These men cannot prove the things they accuse me of doing. But I admit that I follow the way, which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law, and everything written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we pray now that you would, um, Lord, that you would bless this reading of your word and May your spirit speak to our hearts, and may you change us and make us more like Jesus. In his precious name we pray, amen. Please be seated. If I was to ask you, um, as a congregation, Christians gathered here today, if I said, uh, what was last Tuesday? Some of you would say... Uh, <laughs> I went to work. It was a, a work day, and others might say it was a school day, and especially the adults among us would say, I have no idea. That's more than 24 hours ago. I don't remember. But maybe some of uh, the younger among us might say, well, that was Halloween. 
That was trick-or-treat. That was a very special and important day. And, and if there are any dentists among us, you would say, that's a very special day. I'll be getting more visits soon. Um, but probably few of us would say that was the 500th anniversary of an event that changed our world. Uh, but actually, it was. Uh, last Tuesday was the uh, 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Or speaking uh, more clearly, that was the day that Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to the door of the church at Wittenberg. He was, uh, Martin Luther was a man of his times. Uh, he was part of the church, the Catholic church, and he did not start off uh, intending to split that church. He intended rather uh, to stir up some discussion about reforming what he saw as some uh, bad practices, specifically speaking, a practice known as indulgences. Now, if you want to know what that is and what it's all about, Google it. They, they, Google can give you, the internet can give you a much better explanation than I can. But I believe that um, Martin Luther was a man of his times, and if he was around today, he would not be talking about indulgences because they are long gone. Rather, I believe that he would be concerned about uh, a problem in the church today, and it is not confined to Catholic or Orthodox or Protestant or any way you want to break down and organize the different branches of the body of Christ. Rather, it is something that affects all of us. And that is, in today's world, we have often cheapened the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Very often, as a minister, I come across people who say, I'm so glad that I serve God, that I'm going to see him again one day, and I know I'm forgiven. And those are all wonderful and great statements, but often those are followed by more statements like, well, I know God wants me to be happy, or I know I'm going to be forgiven. So, and then they go on to list the ways that they are intentionally going to sin. Not accidentally, not unthoughtfully, not mistakenly, but intentionally say, I'm going to go and do whatever I want to do because God has forgiven me and it's all going to be all right. That attitude uh, would be an outrage to the apostles, to all the writers uh, of the early church, the New Testament. Think about what Paul said. Some of you who have not been with us, we've been walking through uh, the book of Acts, and so you kind of missed some of the background. But basically, Paul had been accused uh, of stirring up riots and of disrespecting uh, the Jewish temple. And now he was standing before the Romans uh, with some of the Jewish leaders on one side, and there he was by himself on the other side defending himself. And when Paul makes his defense, he makes a very interesting statement. If you go back uh, in, in verse uh, 15, he says, I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, Paul says, look, I believe in the resurrection, just like uh, most of these other folks do, that God is going to resurrect one day the good and the bad, and that all will face him. And does he say on account of that 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 Jesus died and he was raised again and that we will be raised to life again? Does he say, so you know what? Now I can live however I want. 
I can do whatever I want to do. It, it's, it's no biggie. No, that's not at all what Paul says. He goes on to say, because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. A clear conscience. Paul says, because, because I know these things to be true, because I know, because I believe in Jesus, I know what he did for me. I know that God, uh, one day I will see him again. I do my very best not to live in a way that says, oh, whatever happens, happens. And, and if I happen to stray from God's words or his commands, that's okay because he'll forgive me. Paul, who wrote more about grace than anyone else, would never abuse that grace. He said, I strive to have a clear conscience before God and man. What do you do about your conscience? The Bible says that, unfortunately, our consciences can be seared. That is, we live in the wrong way for so long. We intentionally sin that after a while, our consciences don't even work anymore. And that's a very scary place to be. We ought to be in a place where we listen to our conscience. Our world doesn't like that idea. In fact, we don't like the idea. Uh, partly it's a, a matter of throwing out the baby with the bathwater because we're, we're all against guilt and shame nowadays. Do you, have you noticed that? Everybody is against those, oh, they're terrible, guilt and shame. Well, false guilt and false shame, they are terrible things. When you're made to feel guilty for something that's not really wrong, certainly that's bad. Or if you are, uh, you know what Satan loves for you to keep wallowing in guilt and shame after you have sincerely repented of something and God has forgiven you and you've moved forward? Satan loves to keep you back. You know, when I preach on forgiveness, I, I hear more people asking me about the question, how do I forgive myself? I know God has forgiven me, but how do I forgive myself? And, and Satan would love for us to stay in that place where we wallow in that type of false guilt and shame. But there is a, a good side to, uh, to guilt, uh, to shame, in terms of if we are, have, have a conscience when we do wrong, those things are not that we should feel guilty and shameful forever, or it's not that we should turn off our consciences, what, what the Bible describes as searing our conscience, but we should listen and we should repent and get right with God. We should get our life back to where it needs to be. When Paul talked about having a clear conscience before God and man, he did not mean that, uh, that he was perfect. He did not mean that I'm Paul and I'm great and I've never done anything bad and, and it's all, you know, I'm great. No, he meant that when he failed, when he did wrong, when he messed up, he strived to immediately, quickly turn around, come to God, confess his sins, and get back on the narrow way. He wanted to stay in good relationship with God and man. Before God, obviously, is God and his laws. And, and before man, obviously, we have to learn to listen to others around us. 
It doesn't mean that we're people pleasers who are controlled by everyone because Paul would have never done the things he did if he was a people pleaser. Obviously, he had lots of people who said, no, Paul, we don't like you. We don't like Christians. And he couldn't, he couldn't follow them and he couldn't quit and give up just because there were those who didn't like him. But what Paul did say is having a conscience before God and man meant, number one, that he did try to live in ways that were not intentionally offensive. Make no doubt about it, Paul did offend some people, but he didn't ever intend to. He intended to live his life as the way God uh, called him to. But also, having a clear conscience before man, before all people, that means uh, that we do listen. We don't set ourselves up in, as perfect, but we listen. And we realize sometimes People are right about us when they give us feedback, and we do need to make a change. I remember when I was a, a very young boy, um, and I had, to be, I had to be less than seven years old because my grandmother uh, passed away when I was seven years old. But I remember going into Walgreens with my mother and my grandmother, and they were doing their thing, and uh, as little boys tend to do, we kind of wander off and find our own thing, right? Because the thing that adults who are with us, that's not very interesting. And so I went over, and I found this rack of postcards. And, and oh, it was beautiful. You know, I grew up in Biloxi, so all these postcards were on the beach and all these interesting things down there. And, and I thought, boy, this is great. I can get some of these free postcards, now, let me tell you, let me explain why I thought these postcards were free. My dad was an engineer. He worked uh, for Ingalls, and uh, he, he built ships, design control systems, and, and he had to travel a lot. Sometimes it was to California, sometimes it was to Canada, to Germany, Israel. He, tra he, he went all sorts of places. And one of the things he would always do was uh, either send us postcards or bring home postcards. So in my little five or six or seven-year-old mind, postcards were just a free thing that people gave you, and they were great. And so I grabbed some postcards that looked the best. You know, I liked them, and I said, hmm, this is nice. They have this rack of free postcards. And I put them in my pocket, and I walked on out the store, and, and everything was great. And we go to get in the car, and I turned to my mom and my grandmother, and I said, look, look at these wonderful free postcards that I got from Walgreens. They were not delighted with me for some reason. Uh, they did not share my joy in getting these free postcards. And so they quickly, after the fussing stopped and I could start to understand a little bit, they explained that... The, the, the postcards dad got, he bought them. They were just free because he bought them and gave them to me, and that postcards were not free everywhere. And, and I had to walk back in that store, and I had to apologize to the store manager and give these postcards back. I learned a lesson. At that point, when I walked out of that store, my conscience was clear because I didn't know that it was wrong to take a postcard. But I uh, got a little upgrade to my conscience, thanks to my mom and my grandmom. I learned a little bit. And that's what, a, what having a conscience that is clear towards God and man means, that we are open to listening when we are wrong and making things right, getting them to where they need to be. How's your conscience this morning? Are there things in your life where you, you know 
you know they're not right, but you say, ah, oh, it's not a big thing. The Bible never says God's upset about the big things, but he winks at the other things. And by the way, that, those ideas of big things and small things, they're our, our ideas anyway. You may have justified your behavior, your sin, by saying, oh, I know God wants me to be happy. Or if you only knew my circumstance or any other number of excuses. Our excuses may work really well for our friends or our family member or even the community around us. They may buy them. They may say, that's great. Do whatever you want. Live however you would like. But the reality is that one day, we will stand before God. And all of those excuses will fall flat. I read a story about a man named Edwin, a true story. Edwin lived in North Carolina, and he had bought a new car. Uh, this was, I think it was probably late 80s when this happened. It was when uh, car makers were first starting to put electronics into car that actually talked to you and directed you. And now that's common stuff, you know. Uh, we, we, we have all the new cars all have uh, Apple CarPlay or, or GPS or all sorts of other things in there. But this was kind of a new thing, and, and they hadn't worked out the kinks. And, um, and this one liked to verbally tell you about things that were going on. So he was driving down the road, and the car voice, it was a female voice, and it came on, and uh, it said, your fuel is low. And so uh, he, uh, he's like, well, I got about 50 more miles to go. I'm all good. This is fine. Well, he goes down the road another five miles or so, and there that voice comes again, your fuel is low. And it started happening over and over, and he got really annoyed. He said, I'll fix this. And so he pulls over, and he finds the appropriate wires, and he yanks them out, and he doesn't hear that voice anymore. And he was still smiling just as his car began to sputter. <laughs> and, of course, he was there stranded on the side of the road out of gas. Our consciences, especially as Christians that the Holy Spirit speaks through, they are very similar. Our conscience speaks to us to warn us, to keep us from being stuck, to keep us from going down wrong paths in life. And we can ignore it, tune it out. We can even disconnect it to where we don't even hear it anymore. But you know what? Whether we heed the warning of our conscience or the Spirit speaking through our conscience or not does not change reality. It does not change the fact that you and I will all stand before the Lord one day and we'll give an account of our actions. What we want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. But if the Bible tells us anything, it tells us that God will not lie. And so many of us will not hear those words. If we want to hear them, once we have become believers, our, our goal, our daily practice ought to be to ensure that we have a clear conscience before God and before man. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come, we thank you, God, that you have given us a conscience to help us uh, to know the difference between right and wrong.
Lord, I pray that if our consciences have been damaged, Lord, we would allow you to restore them. If we've been tuning your voice out when you've been telling us a relationship is wrong or an action is wrong or an attitude is wrong, Father, that we would listen to you, that we would confess our sin where we have gone astray, and that, Father, we would trust you to restore the relationship, the closeness of fellowship that we once had. Father, help us to be people who do not make a mockery of our faith by living in ways that are apart from your word, but rather to be people who bring glory and honor to you as we seek to honor you through our actions, our words, and our lives. Father, I pray that you'd bless now our time of response. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.